0: Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Um, As you know, today is a little interesting for our church service. We decided out of an abundance of caution to say, hey, you know what? Um, There's been a few too many exposures to COVID-19 right now. We're going to suspend our uh, in-person services for two weeks. So August 2nd, which would be today, and uh, August 9th, which is next week. We're not going to do our in-person service. Just no one here has had it. No one has been uh, tested positive. We just want to make sure there was a few things that we just didn't know, and it was a little iffy. And why press it if it's iffy, right? So uh, I'm just trying to be the best shepherd I possibly can be in this moment. And so if you're looking forward to joining us uh, this week or next week, I apologize. I sincerely apologize. And I hope you'll give us a chance uh, later. But know that the depth of our heart is to, to guide and protect you. And I would not feel comfortable doing this if I didn't know our online uh, church service was going so well and can be so effective. And so I love you very, very, very much. And I want to continue to serve you the best way I possibly can. And I will do that uh, the best way I know how. And so this was the decision that needed to be made for these weeks. All right. Um, So I want you to make sure that you have your communion supplies with you, whatever that looks like, uh, in your context. It's going to be uh, very just interesting, and it can be a very beautiful experience. I know um, the Lynches sent me a a message about always remembering the first time they took communion with their son. Was be, it was like orange juice and a Pop-Tart or something silly like that because that's what they had in the house that they could do communion with. And I just thought, what a beautiful memory, um, way to flip the story of COVID, right? way to flip this, the story of the season to go from, ugh, to all the cancellations to, hey, you know when we got to share this beautiful moment. And so I don't want you to miss that time in this, um, this precious moment uh, with your family. All right, we're in a series called Stories, and we're delving into the different parables. That's just a, a churchy way of saying the stories that Jesus told to teach lessons. And so we just came out of a big, long series about the Sermon on the Mount. And this is where Jesus gives his, all of his morals. This is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to conduct your life. This is what you're supposed to do when you're faced with lust and adultery and, uh, and, and greed and wanting to lie and anger. This is what you're supposed to do. And then he goes on to tell these stories and these parables that kind of give you object lessons on how to actually live these things out, right? If you're anything like me, you need to hear the lesson, then you need to hear it another way, and then one of these ways is going to click. One of these things is just going to, oh, I get it. And so that's what Jesus is doing with these parables. We're finishing up a triplicate which uh, is just a way of studying the scripture. You see this often, and when Jesus tells a story, he kind of tells it three different ways. And he's doing that here. He's telling the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And they kind of crescendo into each other in value. And so as he kind of jumps into this last one, the lost son, he would have told it boom, boom, boom. Boom, and kind of built on it and crescendoed into that uh, as a storytelling technique, as a, a way of teaching the people there, probably kind of to pick a fight with Pharisees a little bit. And so when we see this and we read this, we stretch it out over three weeks we lose a little bit of that building up of, of intensity in the storytelling. Um, so I just kind of want to remind us of where we've been the last couple weeks, remind us of how Jesus is teaching this story. And so he's, he started with the lost sheep and this, this shepherd who leaves all the 99 to go after that one. The, the lost coin, how this woman cleans the entire house, and when she finds that coin, she throws a huge party with her friends. And today we transition into the lost son. This story has permeated culture probably more than any other uh, parable of Jesus. Good Samaritan maybe or this one. And when you read uh, comic books, when you go to the movies, when you read any sort of book, there is a moment of this redemption narrative, almost in every story we tell, that harkens back to the prodigal son, the lost son parable. We use this all the time because we we are enamored and, and, and captured by this idea of how do I get redeemed? How do I fight back? How do I get from a place I was that I don't really want to be? I know how I got here. I know the decisions I made. But how do I get back to where I, I want to be? And so this, this even if you've never picked up a Bible, even if you've never read this scripture before, this story will kind of sound like, well, I kind of heard this before that's because it's, it's woven into our very fabric of who we are as people, because this this story is so powerful, and it's a story of you and it's a story of me and redemption. Before we jump into this the scripture of this, you need to understand something about this story is that it's about fairness. And it's not about fairness at the same time. It's, it's about fairness in this moment. And that's the crux of this moment in this, in this scripture when we study it. We're like, well, what, but what? Why, why, why is this this way? And maybe when you deal with God and you deal with um, your own struggles and your own situations, maybe the, your own issues that you have, maybe an issue of fairness actually comes up between you and God. And, and you want to say, God, this isn't fair. And you're not alone in that. People for thousands of years have kind of looked up at the stars or and yelled, why is, why is this this way? This isn't fair. I've been dealing a lot of, with fairness lately. Uh, many of you know I just took over being president of Whiteford Baseball, which is really, really exciting because I, I get to be around baseball even more. I know my wife is thrilled. Um, but get to be all around baseball and setting up teams and helping coaches and and dealing with the schedules and all the kinds of ins and outs of of a baseball league. But what that means is I've been dealing a lot with fair. Uh, How do we make the rules so they're fair? How do we get get fair so everybody gets the same playing time? How do we make it fair so... Um, People can sign up here and there and do all these things. How can we make practice time on the fields fair? Everything revolves around fairness in that. And because we want it to be the best experience for everybody possible. And that still kind of harkens back to our own way of thinking, how we deal with life. Everything needs to be fair. Now, I'm an only child, so I didn't understand fairness. Fairness. But I have twins. I have a, bro- a boy and a girl, 10-year-old twins. And, and when you start to see them grow up, everything needs to be fair. It needs to be fair from how many gifts they got on Christmas morning to um, the fairness of, oh, do their chores take the same amount of time as my chores? Does uh, If they got that many times on a screen, I need that many minutes on a screen. If they got to watch that show, I get to watch this show. If they got to play with friends, I need to get to play with friends. If they got to spend the night with somebody, I should be able to spend the night. It's got to be fair. And I I just, that doesn't, I don't understand. It's a different kind of world for me. But for them, we are constant in this battle of fairness. There's two truths in this, is life isn't fair, because you're dealt all kinds of different hands in life and things just don't work out and stuff happens, right? That's, you know, the whole COVID thing. That's not fair. It's not fair to our high school seniors that they've got to deal with this. It's not fair to the kids to get all their sports stuff canceled. It's not fair to adults who had a job yesterday and don't have a job today. And it was nothing that they could have controlled in that. It's not fair for people who were going grocery shopping and now have this scary disease. It's not fair in all those things. But there's also something else that's not fair. Is grace isn't fair? Grace is not fair. And this is a beautiful thought, and it's one that I've I've struggled with a long time, Um, especially like probably like my whole twenties. I struggled with this idea of why, how is grace not fair? How does this work? What 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 does this do? Because I wanted things to be just. I wanted them to be fair. I wanted it. If I did this, then this was the consequence. Of but grace isn't fair. God's not fair in this. And that's a good thing. In the story of the prodigal son, God's not fair. The father in the story is not fair. And that's beautiful. And it can be our story as well. God doesn't have to be fair to us. And that can be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let's read the story together. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was severe famine in what whole country, in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And one of the most beautiful verses in all of scripture. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! So he called one of the servants and asked him, What is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he has come back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. So what's going on here in the text? What's going on in the, in the scripture here? We've got three major characters. We've got the prodigal son, the, the younger brother who goes out and does some dumb stuff and then comes to a census and comes home. Who that is in the, in the story, that is the tax collectors and the sinners that, G, that Jesus is actually talking to in the room. And so he's making up the story to go along with the, the people in the room. He's like, okay, I'm going to make you a player in the room and I'm going uh, to make you a player and I'm going to make you, uh, this is what I'm going to do. And so he's making the tax collectors and the sinners like understand that, yes, you are far off from God. You have run away. You've found yourself in a, in a weird spot. Uh, you can easily compare the, the tax collectors to the younger son when he has hired himself out to a citizen of another country, i.e. Rome. And he's living off their scraps, what a tax collector does. He, he lives off the scraps of what the tax collector can, can um basically steal from people, extort out of people. And so he's very pointedly, he's not hiding the fact that he's calling these people living in a pile of of pig slop. That's what he's telling them. Pigs are, in in Jewish culture, are totally unclean and nasty and you can't even go near them. And so he's saying, what you're doing is repugnant. He's still rebuking them. But even in the rebuke, in the next basically sentence, he brings them a way out. And this is beautiful. He's saying, this is who you are as the story goes on. But there is a way of redemption. There's a way for you to come home. There's a beautiful end to your story if you will get yourself out of this. You just got to come home. All you got to do is come home. And the response to that is, as you are even far off, God runs to you and throws you a party. So, of course, the father is God in this, and the older son is the Pharisees and the scribes because they don't get it. They'd expect this fairness. They expect it, that younger son to come home to be squashed. And they look at it, and they go, oh, this, is not, this is not right. This isn't just. This guy was a jerk. He wished you were dead. Why are you throwing him a party, giving him a robe, giving him a ring? What are you doing? Because that's fair. That makes sense to me. For a long time in, in this, I was like, yeah, I don't get this. I'm so much more like older son in this. Like, what are you, why? Why do they get get treated nicely? This is, this is a dumb parable. When actually it's the most beautiful parable we've got. That grace isn't fair. This should bring hope to us, right? No matter what situation we find ourselves in, no matter where we where we find ourselves in with our marriages and with our parenting and with our with our, maybe our finances or just morally in this moment as we maybe spiral out of control because we just don't know what to do with ourselves in these moments. That there is a God who loves us and cares for us and even no matter where we're at, in the depths of our sorrow or the highest of highs, when we turn to him, he runs to us while he was still a long way off. Isn't that beautiful? Because God isn't fair, grace isn't fair, and that is a good thing. Because if we think about it for a little bit, If we think about it for just a little bit, we realize, I'm glad God isn't fair. Because of the stuff that we think, the stuff that we do, the stuff that we've worked through, the stuff that we've maybe tried to pull off in life, if it was all fair, God wouldn't want anything to do with us. wouldn't want anything to do with me if grace wasn't a thing and so as we think I ask you to think about that just for a second not to dwell on it not to beat yourself up not to make yourself feel terrible but to remember how amazing grace actually is to remember how unfair grace actually is because maybe you've whined at God like this older son did but you never even gave me a fat goat. But you didn't do it. Right? That's the voice that I hear when I hear whining. It makes my son so so irate because he doesn't actually sound like that, but that's what I hear in my head. He's like, ah, ah. I want it to be fair. When in reality, we don't want anything that looks like fairness when it comes to God. God is so generous, so overly abundant generous with his grace on us it's the only way we can have relationship with him that he overlooks offense after, offense after offense after offense after offense after offense because he desires relationship with us it's amazing and it's beautiful and I can't hardly even start to comprehend it because grace isn't fair I know I've fallen into the trap of expecting to be treated fairly by God. They're like, I, because I do this, then I should get this. I want to boil it down to some sort of math problem. If A equals this, then B plus C equals A. That's how I should get A. That's how this should work. I should get A. And God says, grace is, you know what? You might get Q, and Q is probably better for you. And this is my plan for you and it's better. And then you didn't really have B and C in there either. So you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna make it our thing. We expect to be treated fairly by god by God because that makes sense in our little brains. But God's like, no, that's not the best for you. That's not what you actually want. That's not how I wired you. That's not how I created you. I created you for something more. And whether in which you've stayed close to the home your whole life, I've got something better for you. And whether you've gone far off and you found yourself in the middle of some pig slop every once in a while, God says, you know what, I got something better for you as well. If you come home, come on, let's party. Grace isn't fair and it's beautiful that way. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. See, he's telling these tax collectors, these sinners, these people who hang out with these mafia dons, to say, listen, there's a way back for you. And maybe you found yourself in some nasty stuff, but there is a way back for you. God wants relationship with you. You're not cast out. Relationship can be had. And for you and for me this morning, maybe God's trying to say that to you. It's like You're not too far gone. Maybe you clicked on this and you're like, I don't know why I'm watching this. I don't know what, what's going on. Maybe you need to hear that you're not too far gone for God. And he loves you. And he wants you to come home. And when you come home, he throws a party for you. Maybe you need to hear that, that grace isn't fair, and that's okay. You can be included. Grace isn't fair, and it's beautiful that way. The loss can be found, and we get to be part of it. See, our roles as followers of Jesus, instead of being like the older son, like, I'm not going to the party. I'm not going there. No, we get to help throw the big party. We get to help encourage people as on their road back to God. We can't make them. Sometimes maybe we need to give them a piggyback ride on their way back home. Maybe we need to encourage them. But that's our role is to say, yeah, you can do it. Come on, come on, come on. Like a marathon runner running back to the finish line and all the people on the sidelines cheering them on and handing them water and getting them ready to go. That's who we get to be. That's how... We need to live our lives. This morning is a beautiful, easy opportunity to take communion. As we think about our lives and we think about maybe the baggage we've had, maybe we think about the places that we've been, what communion represents for us. Now here at Shorewood Church of God, we uh, we participate in what's called open communion. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome to take communion with us. Now, you're not in the building here, so I can't dictate anything about your communion, uh, communion happening today. But we want to invite you to be a part of it. Because what it means is that we're going to participate in the, the body and the blood of Christ. His body being broken for us and his blood being poured out for us. And in that act of compassion, he sets the scales of grace, just throws them out the window that spiritually it's not fair anymore and it's okay. And so when we take our communion, when we take these elements, we are stepping into the idea of grace isn't fair and that's amazing. We get to remember how God has, has taken us from who we used to be to who we can be now. Maybe we're not there yet. Maybe we're in process of that. Of course we are. But we're not the person we were yesterday and we're certainly not the person we were 10 years ago. And so when we take communion... We like to remember, we like to think about how God is just relentlessly pursuing us in this. That he will find us. He will throw a robe around us. He will throw a party for us because he loves us so much. And that his grace for us, it isn't fair. It's totally, lopsidedly one way in this. That he forgives us of all the junk. He forgives us of when we've walked away. He forgives us of all the sin. He forgives us of all the times we've missed the mark. And so as we take communion today, I want us to think about that. I want us to think about uh, as you hold these elements, as you hold the, the body and the blood of Christ, whatever you're using as a wafer, if it's a piece of bread or a Ritz cracker or whatever it may be, that this is his body broken for you so that you could have relationship with him, that he would stop at absolutely nothing to redeem you and to blow up the scales of what's fair. As you drink your grape juice or whatever you found around the house, this is his blood poured out for you to wash away all your sins. That whatever was in your past is no longer there in God's eyes. That it's, The Bible says this as far from the east is from the west, which means it's gone. That we get to participate in God's divine forgetfulness of our past because of his extravagant, unfair grace. Take with me. God, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you that grace isn't fair, that we don't get what we deserve. We get heaven. We get relationship with you. We get that divine party. Thank you, God, for who you are, who you're calling us to be, and who you're shaping us to be. And in Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.